It's the Mark Madden Show. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Okay. Let's get down to some cold, hard facts of Jack Johnson coming to Pittsburgh. The free agent defenseman from Columbus. Penn gets put to paper on Sunday. Jack Johnson is better than Ian Cole. Period. Jack Johnson had one bad year last year. Before that, he was highly regarded. And you can bleed analytics all you want. Analytics don't transplant exactly to a new team and a new system. It's the GM's job to figure that out. And Jim Rutherford has done a good job of that in the past with defensemen like Schultz and Alexiak and Daly and Ian Cole. And you got the Gonchar factor there too, the assistant coach. Gonch will make Johnson better. Sergey Gonchar is the real Ray Searich. You're asking Jack Johnson to be a solid bottom pair guy. That's all. Johnson is physical and can kill penalties. You could always use more of both. Johnson falling out of favor in Columbus and getting scratched by John Tortorella, the coach, that doesn't necessarily bode terribly. Does the name William Carlson ring a bell? The money is fine. The salary, 3.25 mil per year or so. The term is a bit long, five years. But you're trying to win now. Johnson can help you now. And when the NHL CBA expires in 2022, the next CBA will probably have those free compliance buyouts like in 2013 and 14. You pay two-thirds of the money owed, and all the money comes off your cap. The CBA might even terminate in 2019 if either side opts out. So if it's not working out with Johnson, maybe that happens, a buyout. Or with Hornquist. The Penguins are making moves for right now. Signing Jack Johnson is a move for right now. The Penguins have about two years left, maybe three, to try and win. And everything is going to be focused to do that. The number to call to comment, 412-333-9939. The number to call to comment, or you can tweet me at MarkMaddenX. I have to laugh at some Penguins fans being critical of Rutherford on Twitter. The Pens GM. Two cups in his four-year tenure. How the frig can you dot that guy? But Twitter is just an overflowing toilet. And then you got the Columbus fans blasting Johnson. The Jackets of Blue have not won a playoff series in 18 years. They've only made the playoffs four times in those 18 years. And they're one and done, one and done, one and done, one and done. Even their great goalie sucks when the playoffs start. It's a pretend team in a pretend town. So Jackets of Blue, Jackets of Blue fans, City of Columbus as a whole, shut your mouth and know your role. I think Jack Johnson's problem was being coached by torts. Definitely his biggest problem. Jacko was a lot better before Torch took over in Columbus. I hesitate to bring this up, but 
This past year was Jack Johnson being involved in that bankruptcy because his parents stole money from him. I'm sure that weighed heavy on his mind as well as being in a contract year. I guarantee Jack Johnson will be better as a Penguin next year than he was as a Jacket of Blue this past year. In other Penguins news, they gave Riley Shane a one-year deal, uh, the fourth-line center, at a little over $2 million. That's about what Shane made last year, and I'm fine with that. Shane's a useful player at that price. It's all about price. Signing Shane is fine at that price. Signing Johnson is fine at the price the Penguins are paying him. But Shane, with the one-year deal, that's how you handle fourth-line guys. You give them one-year deals. If they can get more and longer someplace else, let them go. You don't give fourth-line guys multi-year deals. I remember when Ray Shiro did that with Craig Adams, and that was one of the biggest jokes in Penguins contract history. You don't give fourth-line guys multi-year deals. If you want to call and comment, go ahead, but boy, I've just about had my fill of stupid Pittsburgh hockey fans on Twitter. They've given you two cups in the last three years, but every move they make, every player they get, every signing, every trade, it's like you want them to fail. And certainly being a general manager is an exercise in throwing excrement at the wall and seeing what sticks. And yeah, Jim's made some bad moves. Niemi, Hunwick, I mean, there's more than just a few. But it's about the team you have at the end. To evaluate deals individually, that's a slippery slope because individually they don't much matter. It's about the team you have at the end. And Jim Rutherford is quite adept at building a team. And Mike Sullivan, the coach, is quite adept at getting the most out of that team. 412-333-9939 tonight. Got some kooky stuff to talk about today. Josh Yoey of TheAthletic.com will join me in studio at 3.30. We'll get a lot of hockey talk going then. Interesting uh, event tonight at Mr. Small's Theater in Millville. Mick Foley, ex-WWE, is doing a speaking engagement there. It's the 20th anniversary of him falling off the top of the cage, the Hell in a Cell match. In Pittsburgh, so Mick and my buddy Jeremy Borash will be at Mr. Small's talking about that. So if you're a wrestling fan, that'd be a fun thing to go and see. Uh, White Snake was great last night at Key Bank Pavilion. Not just like yeah, they were great. I mean, White Snake was brilliant. David and Reb and everybody just on the very top of their game. It was great to talk to Reb afterward backstage. I got photos of me and Reb. And me and Joel Holkstra, uh, White Snake's guitar player, up on my webpage at wxdx.com. Uh, I didn't realize all the other gigs Joel Holkstra has. He used to be a Night Ranger, right? Right now he's in White Snake. He plays with Cher. He's Cher's guitar player in Vegas and Atlantic City. And I told him last time I was in Vegas. I tried to get tickets to see Cher, and it was sold out. He rolled his eyes. I go, no, I, I really wanted to see it. You know, those big Las Vegas events, I mean, can you get much bigger than Cher in Las Vegas? 
And Joel also plays for Trans-Siberian Orchestra, uh, who were uh, just, uh, it's a brilliant concept. Some way out spacey guitar rock. It's, it's awesome. So it's good to visit with Joel. Great to see Reb and his whole family. Just awesome people. And I'm going to see him again Saturday night in New Jersey at the Holmdel Arts Center. They have like those satellite venues all around New York City. This one, I land at Newark, drive a half an hour south, bingo, bango, bongo. Uh, Bonham Zeppelin thing was excellent, like always. The Japanese guy playing guitar, Mr. Jimmy, Jimmy Sakurai, looks like Jimmy Page and has his act totally down. Plays, looks, and acts just like Jimmy Page. All the mannerisms. It's unnerving is what it is. It Big Joe from the X looks at me after a couple songs uh, with Mr. Jimmy and the bottom thing. It says, this guy on guitar is freaking me out. And Foreigner was very good too. Always are. So check out those pictures on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. We also have the picture of my buddy James Rutherford. Jim's kid bringing me sandwiches yesterday, which were fantastic. What's that place called? Uh, right, Mediterra in Sewickley. Wow. Get the super genius sandwich and tell him James Rutherford sent you. Uh, Jim's kid. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I got a great story about Jack Johnson and Sidney Crosby when they played baseball together at Shattuck St. Mary's in Minnesota. You'll love hearing that. Uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I am the voice of the voiceless. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just a thought. What, what the hell are you talking about? The X at 105.9. We got Josh Joey at the bottom of the hour to talk Penguins and Jack Johnson. Here's an example of the stupidity I'm seeing on Twitter. Madden says Jack Johnson's going to be great. That fat bleep doesn't know anything about hockey. When exactly have I said Jack Johnson was going to be great? I've said again and again, all he needs to be is a serviceable bottom pair defenseman, which he will definitely be. At 4 o'clock, I've got a plan B for how to use Jack Johnson. To be honest, once I say it out loud, you'll probably perceive it as plan A. I'm not so sure I don't, but that's at 4 o'clock here on the X. Jack Johnson's 31. He had a bad year last year. He won't come back to his career peak this coming season. I don't guess, but let's say he splits the difference. Goes halfway from last year's bad season. Goes halfway to his peak. I think right there is a serviceable bottom pair defenseman, and it wouldn't surprise me if Jacko performs a bit better than that. Uh, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I want to keep talking, Penguins. There's been a flurry of activity over the last few days. Uh, No move is a guaranteed success. We know that. The Penguins started last year with Antti Niemi as the backup goaltender, and Hunwick didn't work out. But the key is how the team turns out. So let's see how the team does and how Jack Johnson contributes. People smirked and rolled their eyes when Rutherford traded for Phil Kessel, too. Remember that, Pittsburgh? You made fun of that, and now you hump Phil's leg like you're a dog, metaphorically speaking, of course. Uh, Chris Kunitz is reportedly now getting some interest from other teams. If he 
doesn't return to Pittsburgh, that's okay by me. Sid's got his buddy with Jacko. He doesn't need his whoopee with Cooney. Kunitz is one of those guys that every team that thinks it's close to a cup is going to want because he's got that Stanley Cup experience. He's got those four rings. I was listening to the B team today, and the Pirates rallied last night with four runs in the ninth to win 5-4 at New York. And the B team is talking, oh, this is the biggest win of the season. Raise the Jolly Rancher. Yo, here's some cold hard fact. There is no such thing as a big win for the Pirates, not no more. They are what they are. A fourth place team, job guys, enhancement talent. Definitely not a playoff team, maybe a 500 team, but probably not. So there's no such thing as a big win. A David Freeze was the hero. He hit a two-run single. Good, because that ups his trade value. Yesterday, I talked about how the B team inaccurately said who broke the Jack Johnson to Pittsburgh story, said it was Jason Mackey, the post-gazette, when, in fact, Mackay gave me credit on his Twitter. But that's okay, because the B team can't stop me. For 22 years, I've been whooping that ass, and I'm going to keep on whooping that ass. And that probably didn't come from the on-air talent. It it came from the uh, PD, because he is petty. Tom Petty. Check this out. Did you see the story in in the Trib about Doran Dickerson is going to the WWE Training Center, getting a tryout with them as a pro wrestler? I got him that tryout. I saw him in an appearance I did. You know, he's got the look, he's got the size, he's got everything. The speaking ability. So I said, hey, why not let me talk to Jim Ross, and Jim Ross will hook you up with WWE. And that's what happened. And I'm told that Doran didn't mention me in the story. He claimed that Ross called him out of the blue because he does some work for the fan, and he was afraid how the program director would react. Petty. Tom Petty. I don't wish Doran any ill will. Although that wrestling name he picked out, what, Rio Dash? That flat out stinks. Don't suggest that to them, or you'll be on the plane home almost before you got off the plane to go there. Rio Dash. No, Rico Dash. Yuck. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Yoey just minutes away. Let's go to Paul on the road. Paul, you're on with the Mark Madden Show. Hello, Mr. Madden. Yep. Uh, I just wanted to agree with you about it's about winning right now. Like these contracts won't mean anything if we win a cup or even two. You know, you won't care if these contracts are on the books because we'll have four and six. If years they win whatever. one more cup in the Crosby and Malkin era, well, actually, let me let me backtrack because with three cups, the Crosby Malkin era is already a success. I agree, but but if they win another cup, it would be an unmitigated all-time success, and uh, that's what they're making the moves to do. And how can they be faulted for that? I agree. And Jack Johnson, albeit a small sample size, he has 21 points in 23 playoff games. So Yeah, I'm not looking for Jacko to get points. I'm looking for Jacko to be a good, steady, physical, bottom-pair defenseman. And that's it. That's the list.
Up next, in studio, from TheAthletic.com, we'll be talking hockey with Josh Showy on 105.9. X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, he covers hockey and the Penguins for TheAthletic.com. We welcome Josh Shelby. Josh, what are the pros and cons of the Jack Johnson signing? Uh, the contract itself in terms of length and money. Well, five years is a lot, and I know you've discussed the possibility that they could buy him out in less than that, and that's true. It, it still is a significant commitment when you consider that Latang and Mata and Dumoulin are already in, you know, locked into long-term deals. Well, Jamie Alexiak might be soon. So that's a lot of years on the blue line, but... One thing that I would emphasize, it's not that much money. He's going to get a little bit over $3 million per year. The salary cap is going to keep going up. So he's going to you know, work out to about 4% of their team salary if you look at it that way. It's not that big of a deal. Where does he fit in? Is he automatically a bottom pair guy with Jamie Alexiak? I think that would probably be the plan. When I look at the Penguins, I certainly <sighs> think of you know, Latang and Dumoulin and Schultz and Mata as the top four. Um, I don't think that will change. Maybe he'll get... A look with, you know, not Latang. I think Latang and Dublin stay together. Maybe he gets a look with Schultz at some point. I'm sure he will. But, yes, I would think Alexiak and Johnson would be the bottom pair. And the great thing about those two, they can both play the left or right side. And, in fact, I would argue Alexiak was better on the right side during this past season. So even though even though they're both left-handed, I think they are, in theory, a, a good tandem, perhaps. Now, here's my plan B. Mata with Alexiak and Johnson with Schultz. It would be easier to roll 6D because your second and third pair would be approximately equal. And if you roll 6D, then you're more easily able to cut down Latang's minutes like they say they want to do. Yeah, and I think they're serious about it. Um, Jim Rutherford made that a point. He met with a few of us on Monday, and Chris Latang was a topic of conversation, and he was pretty adamant about it. He, he said, that, you know, five years ago, yes, Latang was kind of like a running back who got better the more carries he got, but he's not really that guy anymore. And, he, you know, he's going to be 32 next April, so maybe he shouldn't be playing 30 minutes a night. I think that's fair. And, you know, Jack is a guy who has played a lot of minutes in his career. He can bring that to you, and he will round things out. So, yeah, I don't think that's the worst idea. And um, I just wish, even though I'm not in love with the deal, I do think five years is probably longer than they needed to offer. It would be nice if people would maybe give him a little bit of a chance before the season. Hey, it's <laughs> well, unbelievable, really. Yeah, the reaction's unbelievable. We'll get to that in <laughs> in just a, a little bit. And uh, to be 100% accurate, Johnson's analytics aren't good, but last year was his only bad year, and the Penguins are good at fixing defensemen. Witness Schultz, Cole, Alexiak, Daly. It's a pretty long list. Yeah, th that's what they're betting on, and a lot of this goes back to Sergei Gonchar being a full-time assistant coach now. He can work with him every day, and much like those other guys, this is a player with pedigree. This is a guy who was a third overall pick. Now, I realize he's much older, certainly, than Schultz and Alexiak when they got here, but they feel like Gonchar can make a difference, and I'll tell you what, Mark, I've talked with a lot of people around the league about this. I don't think John Tortorella is the greatest coach in the world. And I'm not sure how well the defensemen in Columbus were coached. If you look at their defensemen, Mark, Seth Jones is a star. Zach Wierenski is a star. Savard is very good. Murray, Cole, those are all good players. 
Why do they give up so many goals when they have a talented goaltender? They give up more odd man rushes, I think, than any team in the league. They're, they give up a ton of high-quality chances. I don't think they're that well-coached. I really don't. So if you let him work with Jacques Martin, work with Sergei Gonchar and Mike Sullivan, sure, I think it probably will make him a better player. Well, I think that honeymoon in Columbus for Torts is just about over. Yes. Now, Riley Shane, uh didn't get uh, a qualifying offer from Pittsburgh but he wound up signing for what he got last year, basically. Why did that take as long as it did uh, with the Penguins not qualifying Shan? That's a good question. I, I actually talked with Riley last night, and he made it very clear he didn't want to play anywhere else, and I, I believe him. Sometimes guys tell you that, and you don't necessarily believe them. Like Cully. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bash Dad, but yeah. Um, but Riley Shan, I think he knows his career was going nowhere in Detroit, and the Penguins fixed him a little bit. And he knows that he's trending in the right direction. And I felt like he got better and better as the season went on. And there's more of a ceiling there. And he knows that. So he didn't want to go anywhere. And the Penguins don't want to give a fourth liner a two or three year contract. So it just kind of worked out that way. But Jim was never nervous about not signing him. I think it was a matter of money a little bit. But I think it's a fair deal for both sides. Now, is Shane the fourth line center, period? Or can he jump above Broussard on the depth chart like he did during the playoffs when, admittedly, Broussard was banged up. I think he's the fourth-line center, period. However, if they would be inclined to move Broussard, which I think is unlikely but not impossible, I think they're comfortable with Riley Shane as their third-line center. So he does get – or somebody gets hurt. Broussard gets hurt a lot. He's had four shoulder surgeries in his career. He's only 30. So he is injury-prone, and Shane is a legitimate number three center. He's not a great one, but he's he's perfectly solid in that role. So maybe you give him a little bit more money because of the insurance he brings – but uh, he's a valuable guy for them, Mark. Uh, Mike Sullivan leans on him a lot in the third period when the Penguins are protecting leads. He's just a good, safe defensive player. He wins a lot of faceoffs. Very popular guy in the locker room, too. He's fit in nicely, so I, I think it's a fair deal. Well, I think it was good to give him a one-year deal, too, because I just think in a capped league, you, you never give bottom six forwards, except for maybe a premium third-line center. You, you don't give anybody else a multi-year deal. I thought one of the dumbest things Ray Shiro ever did when he was <laughs> Penguins GM was give Craig Adams a two-year deal. There was just no need. I still remember standing there in South Point when I found out Craig Adams got a two-year deal, and I almost dropped my phone. I was stunned. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, me too. Somebody told me, and I was like, wait, they, they did what? Yeah, I know. It made no sense. Um, and the thing is, Shane and Broussard are both unrestricted next summer. Okay, maybe you let Broussard walk, and then you re-sign Shane then, and, and he becomes your third-line guy, and they really like Teddy Bluger. Maybe he's ready to be the number 4 center at that point. So, no, I think they've worked that just fine, and uh, the Penguins are in a pretty good sh spot with the salary cap. They're always going to spend to the cap, but after the trades they made the other day, they're in a much better position to spend that money where they want to spend it. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com. Uh, he's brought to you by Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Josh, I thought that was a great trade with Buffalo, as you just mentioned, oh. just to not keep any salary. And Buffalo needs legitimate NHL players, so I think it's a pretty decent yeah. trade for them as well. I really do, too. You know, a lot of people have asked me, why would Buffalo take those guys? I said, well, look at Jason Botterill's roster. Look at what he inherited last year. I mean, they need legitimate NHL players. I'm not a huge Connor Sherry fan, but the guy scores 15 to 20 goals a year. Hey, he might play with Eichel. And he might. Given, given what they've got yes. and his experience playing with Sid, they might stick him I, with Jack Eichel. I've been told there's a good chance he will, and that's okay. He knows how to play with great players. He played pretty well with Sid. So that's not a bad thing. And Hunwick, he was not great here, nor was he a total disaster. He can go there and be the number six defenseman. He's a really good guy, work with some of their younger players perhaps. 
So if you're Jason Botterill, okay, you give up nothing for two guys that can help you. And if you're the Penguins, you're, and Jim was just looking for anyone to take those salaries, and he got a draft pick in return, which could end up being a high third-round pick. So that's not a bad thing. And, and yeah, to, to shed the salary was a really, really big deal for the Penguins. Now what's left for Rutherford to do? Uh, is there one more signing out there, maybe a depth forward? Yeah, he certainly is going to get a forward uh, even after Jack is signed. He'll have a couple of million to play with, not a ton. I know there's been a lot of speculation about Chris Kunitz. I, I spoke with a couple of people close with him last night. I don't think that's going to happen, Mark. Um, you know, I know they've spoken, but I know there's multiple teams interested in Kunitz and some in a position to give him more money, I think, than the Penguins. So it's possible, but I think it's pretty unlikely that Kunitz returns. And I have all the respect in the world for Chris Kunitz as a person and as a player, but I, I don't know that he's what they need. Uh, the legs are going to fall off at some point, Mark. I mean, he, he's played more playoff games probably than anybody in the last decade. He's in his late 30s now, so I don't know how much he would help at this point, though. He did not have a bad year in Tampa last season. No, no, he had 13 goals. Yeah, he but here's, fine. here's my trepidation about uh, bringing Cooney back. At some point, Sid wants him on his line. He's like, Sid's Whoopi, his comfort food, his meatloaf. Like in October, probably. <laughs> well, well, right. The minute he has a bad game, oh, maybe try Cooney. Hey, if Duper came back, Sid would want him on his line. So I just <laughs> don't bring him back because I don't want Sid to be tempted. And I don't want Sullivan to be tempted to let Sid be tempted. Right. No, that that's very fair. It was always that way with those two. And I think we saw, and the fact of the matter is, and I know it was a very memorable goal he scored against Ottawa, Last year, he scored two goals in that game, but those were the only two goals he scored in the last two postseasons. So that that gets my attention. He he is still, I think, a legitimate fourth liner, but nothing more. And you're right; there's always going to be that temptation. I don't know if that's what Sid needs. Now, they are apparently going to keep Haglin and definitely Rust. I don't think they would have given him the contract they did if they intended to just move no. him. Although that does not preclude him being traded, to be sure. Right. I think it's good they're keeping Haglin. And Rust, if it turns out to be that way, because speed is the identity of this team, and those guys are the pace cars. They set the tempo. They are, and ideally you want a guy like that on each line, a guy who can set that tempo at one of the wings. And those two in particular, Mark, are both players who are far more valuable in the postseason than they are in the regular season. They're not going to go out and score 25 goals. That's not who they are. But in Russ's case, I don't think it's coincidental that the guy scores big goals every single postseason. He's done it three years in a row. Um, he, he just has it in his DNA. He's not afraid to go to the dirty areas. That's where you have to score in the playoffs. And Carl Haglin, he's always effective in the playoffs with that speed. And you know what he is? He's a really good third wheel on a line with Malkin. You can put Kessel with Malkin. He's going to take care of everything else. He's going to create turnovers. Um, he's not going to score a ton. He is overpaid, but he just plays the way they like to play. Well, and on that Malkin-Kessel line, his skating and defense minimize the anxious moments <laughs> and negate a lot of the turnovers. No, that's right. And he's a very good penalty killer as well. And I assume they will let him walk next summer. That's probably the way it will work out, and that's fine. But I don't think you get that much in return for him. And the only reason you would have traded Haglin is for salary relief. But you already traded Sherry and Hunwick, so you don't really need to trade Haglin and out. He can still help the Penguins. Where do you think Rust winds up in the lineup? Boy, it's all about Daniel Sprung. I mean, we know. But Rust is an ideal third-line right wing. He is. He and will... if you've got Horney and Kessel on the top two lines, that puts Sprung either on the fourth line, in the press box, or back in Wilkes. Yeah, you're right. And I think Sprung will start in the top nine. Now, that doesn't mean he'll stay there all season. We'll see. That means Rust, I would guess, will start the season on the left side, which he can do. I don't think it's ideal. For I think him. you're probably right. But, you know, Jim Rutherford keeps talking about depth. 
Now, Brian Russ might be the over, most overpaid fourth liner in history, but if you want real depth, you could have a fourth line with Riley Shane and Brian Rust and whatever free agent you want to find at left wing. That's a hell of a fourth line, Mark. Now, it's, it's an expensive one, too. They could go that route, but my guess is Rust probably starts on the third line on the left side. You heard about trading Phil Kessel and maybe trading for Jeff Skinner from Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to happen now, not either. And I'm not sure a big deal was ever going to happen. I, I think that was always more speculation than it was anything pro- approaching uh, reality. I know for a fact Jim Rutherford contacted Carolina regarding Skinner. Uh, he's the guy, you know, Jim drafted him, much like Jack Johnson. You, know, you probably have a soft spot for guys you draft. He absolutely inquired. I know they talked about him. I don't think anything ever got a whole lot more serious than that. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, they already have too many Jeff Skinners. They don't need him. Maybe that's true. I don't know. The guy's a really good player. And the fact is Carolina is looking to get rid of most of its good players, I think. And Jim's very much aware of that. Of course, Jim, of all people, knows what's going on in Raleigh right now. So they talked about him. It's just like they talk about a lot of players this time of year. It's not really that uncommon. I know for a fact they chatted, but uh, it's not going to happen now, I don't think. This team is a real good team right now, as is going to win a Stanley Cup. Sure. Oh, I, I absolutely think that. And I absolutely think that this extra month off that they're getting is going to be a big deal for them. Uh, in talking with Rutherford the other day, and Jim doesn't lie to you. He, he's very honest. He said there was nothing wrong with our team last year other than the fact that they were exhausted. And he said they're not going to be exhausted come October, and we know that. So I don't look at the Penguins right now and see any glaring holes. Could they use maybe one more left wing who could score? Sure. Is you know backup goalie still a little bit of a question mark? Sure, but those are things you can fix. And uh, in general, this is absolutely a good team. This is, in my opinion, on paper, one of the five best teams in hockey, and and I suspect it'll be a very motivated team. I know it's just Twitter, but are you <laughs> surprised at the negative backlash about the Johnson signing and some of the other moves the Penguins made, not just from the fanboys, but from some of the fringe media, the, the Don the Line guys, the <laughs> bloggers? It makes me want to drive to Columbus and give Jack Johnson a hug before he even gets here. I literally feel bad for him. Um, he's, he's not a great player. He never was, but he's always been a good player. He had a bad year and now it's like, well, and I think the, the actual fans, the paying customers will embrace him. Yes. Like I've often said, the guys on the penguins who are the Twitter villains mm-hmm. never get booed at PPG paint Serena. The ticket buyers aren't on Twitter. They're too busy having That's money right. to spend. I suppose <laughs> I never heard Rob Scuderi get booed in that building. In fact, I've never, never, never heard anyone really get booed. Flower. I mean, Flower got crucified on Twitter That's how right. often until he became the underdog, and then he was the, the new hero of the masses, but he never once got well, booed at PPG Paints Arena. Because that kind of thing is, I think, really an extremely vocal minority, maybe 5% of the fans who have a platform, so you hear about it all the time. The technical uh, term I like to use is jerk-offs. Jer- well, we can call them jerk-offs. It's there your you show, go. so I'm going to say it, and you're right. Yep. And it, it's been quite Could a you spectacle. use that word on theathletic.com? Yes, we can actually use any language we want. Wow. Yeah, it's great. No wonder it's so popular, <laughs> and you're so rich. That's Josh Joey from theathletic.com. I am Mark Madden. Uh, I'm going to expand more on my plan B for the use of Jack Johnson at the top of the hour. Keep it right here on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Nice talking to you, Mark. Hey, so be it. Kill fine. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Getting funky like a monkey. The X at 059. 
I've come to realize I talk far too much about the NBA on this show. Which is to say, in an average three-hour show, I talk about the NBA for like 90 seconds, maybe, but that's way too much. Now, LeBron James decided where he's going to play, and he's trying to recruit players to go with him, wherever he goes. And he allegedly texted Kevin Durant about joining him on the Los Angeles Lakers, because Durant can opt out of his contract. We always wonder what might happen if the players ran a sports league. Well, that's what's happening with the NBA, and I don't like it. Uh, Becky Hammond is a female assistant coach with San Antonio of the NBA, and she has been promoted. She used to sit behind Popovich, you know, the row behind. He had six assistants, some sit in front, some sit behind. And this coming year, she's going to sit up front next to Popovich. I have no idea what that means beyond her having a better seat. I still find it so hard to believe, and I'm not knocking her. I find it so hard to believe that NBA players take a female assistant coach seriously. And that's a knock on them and not on Becky Hammond. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, the Detroit Tigers fired their pitching coach because he made an insensitive comment. And he's a good pitching coach, very highly regarded. Chris Bozio fired for making an insensitive comment. This is the world we now live in. Apparently, Bozio said something racist to a team employee. Like I said, it's a different era. I once heard a very highly regarded sports executive here in Pittsburgh say something to a female employee that would not only get him fired today, but would ruin his career. But back when it happened, it was unpleasant, sure, but it was very quickly forgotten. Now, like I said, and I won't say who and I won't say what, but it would have ruined his career. And he had a pretty sizable career up to that point. You go on Twitter and guess and get it right, I won't tell you. This is like way out of left field. I don't think you'll come up with it. Uh, Sammy Sosa wants the Cubs to put up a statue. He's not going to get one. The changing of his skin pigmentation, the bleaching of his face, that's what he did. Uh, the PEDs, he's just not getting a statue. Bonds doesn't have a statue in San Francisco or Pittsburgh. And Sosa's not getting one in Chicago. Uh, Tom McMillan, who is a Penguins vice president and longtime crony, is in Gettysburg this weekend. He's a Gettysburg buff, goes there all the time. In fact, this is his 100th trip to Gettysburg. And because of that, the people who staged the reenactments of the battle, and of course the battle took place from July 1st through the 4th, the people who staged the reenactments are going to let Tom actually kill somebody do a reenactment this weekend. Now, technically, that's murder, but that place, Gettysburg, it's seen a lot of death. They're just going to look the other way, and Tom will buy some beers afterward. It'll be fun. Up next, everybody thinks Jack Johnson's going to be the bottom pair defenseman for the Penguins with Jamie Alexiak. That's probably true, but I'm going to tell you my plan B for Jack Johnson. 105.9 The X.